So, a monk checks himself into a monastery where he takes a vow of silence. And the, the monk is only allowed to say two words every ten years. So, after the first ten years, the monk goes to his superior and he simply says, food, bad. The superior thanks him. The next 10 years goes by and he comes back in and he says, bed hard. Superior thanks him. Another 10 years goes by. Monk comes in and says, I quit. And the superior says, it doesn't surprise me at all. You've done nothing but complain since you got here. Now, that story has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm preaching about today. But I think it's important that we as a body can have fun and laugh in church. And so uh, I just want to thank you guys for having me here this morning. My name is Andy uh, Blair. I am, uh, do we have any Ohio State fans in here? No. How about Tennessee fans? No? Okay. How about Kentucky fans? There we go. All right. I'm a Kentucky boy. Um, originally, I'm a Florida, I'm, I love Florida. I love to hunt, I love to fish, I love to golf. Did I mention I like to fish and hunt? Okay. Anyway, uh, I'm married to a beautiful woman named Becky. She's down here on the front row. Um, some people call her Saint Becky. Um, uh, just to tell you a little bit about myself, we also have two beautiful daughters. Uh, I, I'm going I'm to mess this up. I think they're 23 and 26. That's really close if it's not. But here's what I do know. Here's what I know. They're getting married this year, both of them. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Finally, somebody feels sorry for me. All right. Whew, it's going to be a big year. So anyway, uh, I uh, spent the first 20-some years of my career in corporate America uh, chasing a corporate ladder that, that I found out led to nowhere. Uh, and, and I'm not going to get into this story this morning. Uh, I'd love to tell my story, man. I love Jesus. Jesus changed my life. And so almost 14 years ago, I found myself in, a, in a, an alcohol rehab. And, uh, and I, I grew up in the church. I'm a church guy, guy from way back. But, man, I went as far away as you can get. Here's the point of the story, though. I always knew where to go. And I always knew that Jesus was there for me. So Jesus changed my life. I remember getting on a plane saying, God, if you'll remove this from me, I'll do anything you ask me to do. And I meant that. I didn't know it was going to cost me. Amen? It cost me everything, and I've never been happier in my life. So that's a little bit about me. I'm also a coach. I love, I love kids. I love kids a lot. Because you know why? Because I am a kid. And so... Um, Tim told me I only had two hours to preach. <laughs> Y'all think that's funny. So I'm going to get started. Uh, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for, God, just for the opportunity to come and to um, say what you've put on my heart. So God, I ask that for the next, how many ever, how many ever time we're here, God, that you, you, open up our hearts. God, that you open up our minds. 
God, remove all the distractions and the things that we have to think about and what's going to happen when we leave here and what's going to happen tomorrow. God, I ask that you just put us in this, in this place and may our presence be here and now. May we hear directly from you this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay. Anybody know that song? Anybody grow up watching Mr. Rogers? Anybody grow up watching Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood on Saturday Night Live? Okay. Not me. I'm just kidding. So, would anybody like to come up and sing that song? I didn't think I'd get any takers on that. So, uh, Mr. Rogers, interesting character. Um, I, I can just remember every day after school, uh, my mother was a teacher sitting on the couch. Well, I, I was sitting on the couch. She was laying on the couch. Uh, sorry, Mom. But, um, and we would eat apples and, and carrots with salt. Who eats apples with salt? She does. Anyway... She eats everything with salt. So um, talk about Mr. Rogers a, a, a bit. The sweater he had on, the navy tennis shoes. You know, he, only, he always came in and changed clothes and put a sweater on. And he always had that, that he always talked with the same, he always knew what he was, I mean, he was just, he was calming, right? He was so gentle. Almost too good to be true, right? So, so as I'm preparing for this, I, I kind of wanted to know what I could about Fred Rogers. I know there's a movie that just came out last year, um, and I have not seen that yet. Um, but here's what I found about Fred Rogers. Fred Rogers was the real deal. What you saw on TV is really what he was like. Now, that's kind of scary in, in a lot of ways. I'll be honest with you. But, but for those that, that don't know who he is and much about him, let me tell you just a little bit about him. He was a graduate uh, from Rollins College, which is here in Florida. Uh, his dream was to go to seminary, get his Master's of Divinity, and then become a pastor. But God had different plans for Fred because he got drawn into TV right, right, after, right after college. And he started working in, in the television industry. And then he ended up getting his own show in 1968. And so after over 900 episodes, think about that. <clears throat> That's a lot of beautiful day in the neighborhoods, right? Fred was a very deep spiritual person. He was a Christian. He did end up going to get his Master's of Divinity and was actually ordained in the Presbyterian Church. And then because of that, he ended up getting a degree in psychology. It's a joke, guys. Get, okay, some of you, just wait. All right, so he, so he went and got a degree in psychology. Now, how many of you still watch the Mr. Rogers reruns? We'll pray for you, okay? His target audience was two to five-year-olds. Okay, so if you raised your hand, children's right back here somewhere. I'm just kidding. All right? But here's the deal. Everything that Fred did, his music degree, his Master's of Divinity, his psychology degree, he poured all of that into reaching, effectively, these two to five-year-olds. So here's the point. Here's why I bring that up. The word neighbor wasn't something that he, he chose because he thought it would relate to two to five-year-olds. He chose that word, and, 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 it, and the whole thing, the, the title was, was shaped by a couple of things. One, his own experiences. Fred was, uh, Fred was not an athlete growing up. 
Uh, he was bullied a lot. He was um, overweight as a child. They called him Fat Freddy. Um, and so he was the target of a lot of bullying. bullying. But see, he had this dream of a world where people treated each other with kindness. And people treated each other with respect and with compassion. And the kind of kindness and compassion that he saw demonstrated by Jesus uh, in the Bible. And the other word, the other, the other reason was, is Jesus uses the word neighbor in the story we're going to talk about today. And that's in Luke, if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. This is the story we're going to explore today. Again, Luke 10, verses 25 through 37. So, Let's get right into this, and I'm just going to tell you right now that it's with a pure heart that I'm going to do my best to talk to you about an important issue that I believe that as Jesus followers, we as the church have to lead the way in showing love to everyone. You see, the world is asking, won't you be my neighbor? The people that are not here this morning are asking, won't you be my neighbor? The people that are at, were out all night, the people that are living out on the streets, the people that are not living godly lives are asking, won't you be my neighbor? And so this encounter that Jesus has with this guy teaches us a lot of things. But first of all, I think it's very relevant to some of you all here today. And, and we're going to uh, and, and, and see how this guy reacts to the events that have taken place here. So, there's such great truth in this story. So let's read uh, uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 28, and then we'll break down the rest of it a little later. Verse 25, on one occasion, an expert in the law, the guy was a lawyer, not the kind that goes to court, okay? But, but this guy was a lawyer. He was an expert in Old Testament law. And so he stood up to test Jesus. And he says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus said, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbors yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus said, replied, do this and you will live. Now this is interesting because the guy comes up and, and, and to Jesus and asks him a question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus does what Jesus often does, and he, he answers a question with a question. Did your mom ever do this to you? So irritating. Mom, do you know where my shoes are? Where did you leave them? You know how hard it was for me to say, if I knew the answer to that question, I wouldn't have asked you. Right? But the reason that she did that and the reason that Jesus does that is because in most cases, we already know the answer, right? See, I believe Jesus is not in the business of creating Christian robots that just recite answers back and, and win quiz competitions. He's in the business of... of of creating people who, who can look in the hearts and be honest and live truth. So he asked the guy what's written in the law. And so he tells him, love God and love your neighbors yourself. 
Jesus said, that's exactly right. You nailed it. Go do it. And that, I believe, is what formed Fred Rogers, that, that, that he felt like that's, what, that's his challenge. That was the purpose of his show, was to love God and love his neighbor. Now that task, loving your neighbor, is simple, but it can be very, very difficult. So we notice that, that the, in, in this part, the second part of this is he asked him the second question, and this is the part that the lawyer wants to fight about. Loving my neighbor. See, nobody has a problem loving God, right? In theory, sounds great. We haven't seen God. So, so we can sort of love him in theory. But people, people are a real problem. You know, the old pastor's joke is, if it wasn't for people, ministry would be so easy. Right? But it's so hard to love our neighbors, especially when they're different from us. Those that have different values, different attitudes, different behaviors, different beliefs. Those that don't like us. Those that don't look like us. And, and those that have hurt us. So it's tough living out this notion of living your neighbor as yourself. So let's get back to the story. After the guy says, I'm supposed to love God and love my neighbor, I get it. Then he asks the pointed question. We have to understand this because as a lawyer, this man wasn't looking for, he, wasn't, he didn't want to be a neighbor. He, he wanted to find a loophole like a good lawyer does around being a neighbor. He wanted to justify himself some, somewhere. You know what a crying shame is? You ever heard this one? It's a bus full of lawyers going over a cliff with two empty seats. <clears throat> I wasn't in my notes. I'm going to get in trouble for that one. But, hey, um, I, my sister's a lawyer and my brother-in-law is a lawyer, and I love them very much. So if you're a lawyer, don't be offended. Just laugh. I love you because Jesus said I had to. All right. <laughs> I couldn't help that. All right. So, so the lawyer knows he's supposed to love God and, and, and love our neighbor. And so he asked the question in verse 29. What's the question? Who's my neighbor? I get it, he said, but I need to know exactly who is it I'm supposed to love. Who, who is my neighbor? So, so Jesus, do I have to... Do I have to love people that listen to the wrong kind of music? Do, do I have to love people that, that maybe weren't educated as the way I was educated because I'm so educated? Okay? Do I have to love them too? Do I have to love people that have weird hair, long beards, tattoos, da -da -da. tattoos, ear piercings, all that? Maybe even body piercing. Wait, do I have to love people that are in same-sex relationships? Hello? Hey, look, what you get with me is you get real. Can we get real today? I don't, that's the only way I know. We just say that in church? Yeah. We just went there. So, do we have to love those people too? Yes. Do we have to love them if they have a different accent from us? What if they speak a different language? What about different color skin? 
Who does that include, Jesus? Just tell me. Again, Jesus doesn't answer the question about who to neighbor. He's just going to assume that everybody's your neighbor, which you should as well. And he tells an awesome story about how we should neighbor, not who we should neighbor. Let's look at verse 30 and 32. In reply, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away. So what you have to understand is this guy's going from Jer- going to Jericho, which is a 17-mile journey, which starts about 2,500 feet above sea level and ends about 800 feet below sea level. And there were rocks, and it was a desert, and so it was a perfect place for robbers to hide out. So they beat the daylights out of this guy, and they leave him bleeding in a ditch. Maybe he was going to die. I don't know. Jesus said he was half dead. Verse 31. This hits home. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side of the road. Now, you can probably understand why, right? Because as as a pastor, you're very important. If you you got close to a dead man or someone that was unclean, then you couldn't go to the temple that day. Verse, Verse 32, then he says, A Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, what did he do? What's, what's the Bible tell us he did? He passed by on the other side as well. Act like he didn't even see him. You ever done that? I know you haven't. But if I'm being transparent, I have. Okay? So one, one, is, a, one is a priest. He sees his Jewish brother over here in the ditch bleeding. And he walks on by. Again, he couldn't go to work that day. So you can understand why he wouldn't want to help the guy, right? No. How how about the Levite? This is another Jewish guy, right? He pretends like he doesn't even see him. You ever done that? How about the guy that's standing outside your door, like going homeless, whatever? You're like... So so Levites, just so you understand, they're like associate pastors. They're not worship pastors. I think they're youth pastors. (laughs) Today's pick on Nate Date. It's okay. And the point is, these people weren't bad people. Okay? These were church people. And so, um, (laughs) they're just the opposite of what we would see as bad people, right? And then comes my favorite part of this story. Jesus starts out in verse 33 with three words. Now when he said these three words, I'm sure that the lawyer's jaw dropped. He said, say it with me, but a Samaritan. Many of you probably don't even know what Samaritan is. I'm going to tell you. But, But he was not a Jewish man. When the Samaritan saw him, what did he do? But a Samaritan, as he traveled came where the man was, and when they saw him, when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, 
pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Now, why was this so shocking? I'll tell you why. Because Jews hated Samaritans. And what happens if a Jew hates a Samaritan? What's a Samaritan do? He hates back, right? This has been a 700-year hate fest. 700 years prior to this, when the Jews were exiled, some of them were left behind. And they actually intermarried with someone from a different race. They married people who worshipped pagan gods. And so when they had children, they produced mixed races. And this is what became known as the Samaritan. Jewish people hated the offspring who were known as Samaritans. They were seen as half-breeds, both physically and spiritually. And so, just like I said, the Samaritans hated the Jews, so the Jews just hated them back, back, and it goes on and on. That's what happens, right? You hate me, well, I hate you too. That's five-year-old stuff, right? You ever, you ever kids? Kids go, I hate you. You ever go, I hate you too? Some of you have. Do not lie in here. But the Samaritan took pity on another human being, even though he was from a different race. Dr. Martin Luther King, on the day before he was killed, gave a speech which has become known as, I've been to the mountaintop. But he said this when talking about the story of the Good Samaritan. He said this, the first question the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? How's this going to affect me? Then Dr. King said, the Good Samaritan reversed the question and said, if I don't stop and help this man, what will happen to him? You see, in so many ways, this, this, this is the heart of the gospel. Loving God and loving others. People say, Andy, what's your philosophy? Or what's your theology? Love God and love people. Jesus tells us that all the other laws rest on those. You do those two? covers everything. But I want to stay here just for a minute because I know here you guys have been through a lot. And some of you may be asking, what's going to happen to us? There, there, there may be times when, when some of you currently are or, or have or, or, or are wrestling with questions like, are we going to make it? Are we ever going to get back? Some of you just may not have an, any idea what's going on there and be struggling with issues in your own life. You might be struggling to figure out what's this whole following Christ thing about. And I want to suggest this. Because this has been so instrumental in my recovery and in my spiritual journey. What if? What if the turnaround in this church, the, the way for you to move past what you've struggled with, the way to go deeper in your personal faith comes when we stop asking that first question. What's going to happen to me? How's this going to affect me? Maybe the healing begins. Maybe the turnaround begins when you cross the street, just like the Good Samaritan did, 
And you start asking and caring about the second question is, is if not us, what's going to happen to them? The question the lawyer asked was how, how, how he could have life, right? So some of you may be asking that same question. How, how do we have life? How, how, can I, how can I really begin to enjoy this journey that Jesus talks about? That I read about? And I'm suggesting that maybe it starts when we look outward and ask who needs help, who needs love, and what can we do to help? See, when we take that adventurous step of, of, of getting outside of ourselves and, and maybe serving at a school, uh, helping a neighbor out, getting involved in a life of people who are messy, it makes us nervous, makes us uncomfortable, and it's so life-giving. So don't wait to ask yourself that question. Ask it now. Even if they're different from us, and some might even argue, especially if they're different from you. What must I do to inherit life? Eternal life. Jesus said, love the Lord your God and love your neighbors yourself. So with all that I've said here, we're, I'm not going to step around the elephant in the room. We have to consider the issue that Jesus is talking about and addressing here. When we talk about life and we talk about looking outward, God, God's going to break us out of some fences and some boxes that our prejudices have built around us. This issue that Jesus is talking about is one that we all struggle with in one way or the other. It's a stronghold in our churches. It's a stronghold in our lives. And I believe it holds the church back and suffocates our own walk with Christ in so many ways. On the other hand, I believe in the church and I believe the church is the only hope for a solution. I believe that the two strongholds I'm talking about today are, are prejudices and racism. Now, as I talk about racism, I'm just going to tell you I have a limited perspective. I'm a white guy and this shirt, I'm, it's a lot of pink, right? I don't have a lot of experience. But in today's world, when we talk about prejudice and racism, we automatically go to white and black, right? Huge issue, but that's not, that's not all we're talking about here. Here's some, here's some synonyms. Uh, for, and for those of you, the rest of you are from Kentucky, that means words that mean the same as. <coughs> hey, I'm... I, I are one, so I can say that, right? So other words that mean racism, and I think they'll help us understand bigotry, chauvinism, intolerance, anti-Semitism, bias, prejudice, discrimination, narrow-mindedness, intolerance, super-patriotism, small-mindedness. Here's the definition of prejudice. Dislike, hostility. This is, I love this definition. Unjust behavior deriving from preconceived and unfounded opinions. So when you think about that list of words, none of those, personally, none of those remind me of Christ's time here on earth. 
And it certainly doesn't line up with Christ's teaching on how we're to neighbor people. So I just want to talk about, let's just get it out there, why, why some of us become or, or have some of these prejudices or racisms that come to us over time. So I just want to talk about three quick things here about this, and, and I'm sure there's more. But one is, maybe, maybe you are, or maybe you have been a victim of hatred. Okay, Someone mistreats us because of the color of our skin, or, or maybe someone mistreats someone that we love because of the color of their skin. And so we automatically feel like we can't trust them. Therefore, I don't like them, they don't like me. Second thing is, it's taught. Racism is not something we inherit. It's not genetic. Actor Dennis Leary says this about racism. I thought this was right on. He says, racism, racism isn't born, folks. It's taught. He said, I have a two-year-old. You know what he hates? Naps. End of story. Maybe you grew up in a family that said, hey, our family doesn't hang out with those people. It's taught and it's handed down from generation to generation. And the third reason that I think sometimes we, we wrestle with this stronghold is just ignorance. We have no exposure. I was exposed at an early age in the third grade. One of my best friends to this day is an African-American man named Trent. And we were playing kickball outside in the third grade. And something didn't go my way. And I, 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 I called him a word that um, I soon learned that you don't call anybody. Because he punched me in the nose like blood sprayed everywhere. See, that's how I have to learn my lessons. I just repeated a word I'd heard. Nobody's fault. Well, somebody's fault. But because he was different, I didn't know. So here's the thing. This is the meat of the message. I, there's three things we got to do. And the first one is, guys, we got to get in the mirror and we have to recognize our prejudices. This is not easy. You got to own it. You got to be honest. You got to be transparent. You got to be sincere. And, and this is really difficult because a lot of us feel we're justified in how we might feel against someone else. But just understand this too, that even though your prejudices or racism might not be intentional, it's still a sin. No matter what the reason is, you've got to recognize it. This is very important. Racism is not a skin issue. Racism is a sin issue. I wish I could take credit for that, but I can't. Racism is not a skin issue. It's a sin issue. In fact, James 2.9 says this, if you favor some people over others, what are you doing? You're committing a sin. He said you're guilty of breaking the law. In other words, I like you because you look like me. My kids can play with your kids because they look like my kids. We were educated in the same place. We were all born in Kentucky. I mean, I understand that. That's kind of special. You may say, you were raised on the other side of the street. I can't associate with you. You don't listen to the same music. 
Anytime we act like that, that we act like it's a skin issue, it's not. It's a sin issue. And we got to call it what it is. How are we called to love our neighbors? How are we called to live those who look a little bit different from us? Maybe you grew up thinking fat people are lazy. We're not. Not all of us. Maybe you, the, the young people today, they don't, they're, 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 they're useless. All, all young people today are the same way. How about this one? Old people are useless. You can't teach them anything. This one might be true. White guys can't jump. I don't know what it is. But, but you, you grew up thinking certain things about certain people. And if you've ever said this, I'm not a racist, but... Hello. There's nothing good that comes after but. You got to call it. You got to acknowledge it. I've done this, man. After 9-11, I was traveling four or five days a week. And I got to tell you, anytime I was in the airport looking around, if I saw someone who was Muslim looking, um, Indian looking, something on their head, they were out as far as I was concerned. Some of you may say, well, that's understandable because of the environment. No. Call it what you want. Because if it had been Asian Americans or whoever, it's still prejudice. It takes courage. It takes honesty. And it takes integrity to recognize truthfully and look in the mirror to admit it before God and repent. You got to be open and transparent if you're ever going to find healing. So number one, we're going to acknowledge that we have prejudices. We have them. Second thing is we're going to have to seek to understand others. Like I said earlier, I have very limited perspective and I, I don't understand how other people have been abused and mistreated. I don't get that. But I know it's real. And so what helps me is the inner, inner dialogue with those that experience those things that I haven't had. And after my wife and I and our family spent almost four years in Mississippi, let me tell you, I have a whole new perspective on prejudice and racism. We took in a, a young African, I was a basketball coach and an athletic director for a little um, school there, in addition to being the lead pastor at my church, and because I love kids, anyway, it's a different story, but we took a young African-American fatherless kid in, mom couldn't do anything with him. You would not believe the things that were said about us in that community. You would not. We, we really thought, I'm not exaggerating, that someone may burn a cross in our yard. I wouldn't have been surprised. Heartbreaking things. So we all come from different backgrounds, different perspectives. So we need to recognize our prejudices and we need to seek to understand. And the last thing is, we got to love those who are different from us. Love those that are different from you. This is what call, this is what God called us to do. In fact, I want to tell you a story. One of the most moving stories of love that, that, that this person crossed the road happened in 1996. <clears throat> when a group of KKK members, they held a rally in Michigan. 
the police knew that there would be tension, right? And so they actually put up a barrier between the KKK and then those who were protesting the hate. So one of the KKK guys infiltrated the, protest, the protester side and he had a Confederate flag on, he had tattoos, uh, a, a white supremacist tattoo on his arms. And so obviously people recognized him. Someone pointed him out and said, kill the Nazi, kill the Nazi, kill the Nazi. And then they all jumped on this guy. There was an 18-year-old girl named Keisha Thomas there. She was protesting the hate. She was an African-American girl who, who ran and threw her body over this man to protect him. In fact, here's a picture. What in the world would cause a young girl to put herself in a physical risk like this to protect a man who probably wanted to harm her anyway. Who does that? I'll tell you who does that. Follower of Jesus. In interviews later on, she talked about how her Christian faith uh, played a big role in that. This is what she said. She said, I knew what it was like to be hurt. That the many times that it happened to me, I wish someone would have stood up for me. What did she do? She did just what the Good Samaritan did. She walked across the street. To protect another human being that probably hated her. That's how you neighbor. That's how you show the love of Jesus. The Bible says in John, how's the world going to know that we are Jesus followers? Well, let me tell you first what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that you, people are going to know you're a follower of Jesus by your church attendance. Or, or, or by the fact that you tell them, hey, I've been attending church since you know, 1985. They're not, not going to know that you're a follower of Jesus because you have perfect theology. doesn't say they're, people will know you follow Jesus by attending another Bible study. Well, Bible study is important. You see, the lawyer in the Good Samaritan story had all the temple cred, right? He had all that. He knew the law. He knew, he knew the Old Testament as good as or better than most. But Jesus was telling him, man, you still don't get it. It's not about you. John 34, 35, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Does it say not loving those that look like us, not born where we were born, have the same color of skin? Who's our neighbor? Everybody. Your neighbor is the next person you come in contact with. We just got to understand that God loves everybody. Even people with cats. That's probably, that's probably going to be the one that gets me in trouble. <laughs> but guys, when we get to heaven, we're all going to be represented there. There's only one race. That's the human race. And so this, this morning, I, I pray that you feel much more than my heart, that you feel God's heart in this. 
that all are welcome, all are loved. And so as the band comes up to play another worship song, I want to wrap this up really quick. See, prejudices and racism is not something we can just educate ourselves out of. As a person or as a society, the sensitivity training that we receive at corporate America is obviously not getting it done. In order to change this world, as Jesus once did, we've, we've got to change our hearts. And it's simple, but it's not easy. And it's on us. We're the light of the world. But what do we do? I want to challenge you. Simple things. Be kind. Make eye contact. Smile. Show decency, honor, respect. We do what the Samaritan did for the Jewish man. We walk across the street and extend the arm of love. That's how we love. We do what Keisha did. We walk across the street. See, in order to change our world, to change our country, change our state, change our county, change our city, change our church, change our hearts, we've got to change the question. We have to move from what the priest and the Levite ask, how will being a neighbor to somebody affect me and what I want? To the same question that the Samaritan asked, and that's if, if I don't, what will become of them? do that? Will you answer the call that people are asking? This world is hurting. Won't you be their neighbor? I read something just this morning. This is profound. Jesus didn't die for us so that we could continue treating people the way people treated him. I'm going to read that again. Jesus didn't die for us so that we could continue treating people the way people treated him. Let's pray. Father, I pray that this be true of this church, that this may be true of me, God, that, that we will be good neighbors, that we're going to cross the street and help those in need. God, I ask that your Holy Spirit do a healing work in all of us, and God, that you bless this place. Father, I pray that this, this church becomes all that I know you have for it. That maybe for some people it will start today. God, that we take a moment and look inside our own hearts. God, that we repent of any prejudices, any racism, any, anything against anybody else that we have in our heart. God, forgive us. Father, I pray for those who have been wronged, hurt, abused rejected. God, for those of us who have wronged or judged people, please forgive us. God, your word tells us that there's no, 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 no Jew, no Gentile, male, female, slave, or free. God, that we're all one. God, give us opportunities to passionately show what you've done in our lives. Jesus hung out with those that others rejected. Jesus hung out with those who were raised on the wrong side of the street. It goes on and on and on. Here's what I want to tell you. 
Bible also tells us that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord is going to be saved. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, what color your skin is, how far you are away. Anybody that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you want to pray with someone this morning, if you, if you, maybe you've got something to get somebody, you need to go to that person this morning. I don't know. But I know this. The Spirit is here this morning. The Spirit's been moving. If you want someone to come and pray with you, you can go over here to my right, your left. If you just want to come up and be by yourself, the altar's going to be open here on your left. And nobody will bother you. You may sit right where you're at. That's fine too. But some of you need to get right. God, help us to love you and to neighbor like you do. As the worship team comes and sings, take a moment and answer the question that the world is asking Would you be my neighbor? Breaking through 
Thank you for having us. I hope you heard from God this morning. I hope you leave different than when you came in this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this body of believers, God. These warriors. God, we know they've been through a lot. I pray healing on their hearts. God, that, that I believe you have great things in store for this church, God. God, give them the wisdom and the patience with each other to go forward and do your will. Thanks for meeting us here this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray.